You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Now, if you haven't had the opportunity to stop into your local Interstate Batteries retail store and talk with a battery specialist, you need to do that because these guys are very knowledgeable about every kind of battery, hence the name Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera to your rangefinder, any battery that you need, these guys can help you find Even if it's a specific, unique, one-off battery, these guys can help you find what you need. If you want to find out more information on Interstate Batteries, about their brand, about their history, about the company in general, and all the batteries they offer, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. This is the Average Conservationist Podcast, brought to you in partner with 2% for Conservation. 2% for Conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to fish and wildlife. 1% of your time plus 1% of your money equals 2% for Conservation. 2% helps businesses and people pair with conservation causes to support things that fit what they care about. Whether you're into fishing, hunting, or just getting outdoors, 2% can help you not only start giving back to wildlife, but get certified for it. Getting 2% certified means you've made the same commitment as popular brands like Sitka, First Light, Stone Glacier, and Seek Outside in giving at least 1% of your time and dollars back to wildlife. But it's not just for outdoor companies. Breweries, contractors, coffee roasters, and even piano repair companies have earned 2% certification and stand out as leaders in their communities for doing so. Businesses that are committed to conservation deserve your business when you shop. Learn more about 2% for Conservation at fishandwildlife.org. That's fishandwildlife.org. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a special Monday edition of the Average Conservationist Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Marcus Ewing, and this is episode 30. Uh, We'll kind of get right to it. Um, This is kind of a time-sensitive uh, episode, so we're, we're launching it a few days early this week. Um, today on the podcast, I am joined uh, by Ford Van Fossen. Uh, Ford is the um, content, and, uh, content and conservation manager over at First Light. Um, if you recall, we had First Light on uh, a few months back uh, on the podcast here, but if you've been paying attention uh, on social media over the last uh, week and a half or so, um, there's been this uh, this new initiative to to help raise um, awareness and funds for conservation called the Common Wild Initiative, uh, and really this was all spearheaded by First Light, uh, something that they had been working on for a few years, and I think really given the the landscape of the way things are in our country right now. Um, you know, they wanted to really put this, uh, to work and were fortunate enough to get, uh, 16 other companies, uh, in the outdoor recreation space to, to come aboard and to participate in this as well. And, um, 100% of the, the money raised, the, the, um, the profits that the proceeds, um, from this, um, common wild initiative are going to go, uh, directly back to conservation. And it's going to be really spread throughout uh, a lot of different, um, groups and causes and organizations within the conservation world, just given the variety of companies that are participating in this. Um, so it was, uh, it was really cool to hear, 
uh, how this all kind of came together um, and, and what the process looked like leading up to this and, and really um, kind of take a sneak peek into um, hopefully what the future brings for, um, for Common Wild. So without any further ado, Ford Van Fossen, Common Wild Initiative. Enjoy, guys. All right. Joining me on the podcast today uh, for a bit of a special episode, we have uh, Ford Van Fossen, and Ford is the content and um, conservation manager over at First Light, and they have recently launched uh, the Common Wild Initiative. Uh, so we got Ford on today to go ahead and talk about that. So Ford, how are you doing today? I'm good, Marcus. Thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate yeah. the uh, the old Skype call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no problem. I'm glad that uh, that we're able to do this. I know Jared just kind of introduced us, uh, you know, late last week. So I'm glad we're able to to put something together here while um, you know the the initiative is still going on and still going strong. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. It's uh, we're rolling, we're rolling, uh, no question. So. Kind of first here, Ford, tell me about Common Wild. Tell me, uh, you know, kind of how it started, what that process looked like, and really what it's all about. Sure. Yeah. Um, so the Common Wild initiative was sort of, you know, we, we started kind of laying this out about a year or two ago. And, uh, you know, as everybody I'm sure has not forgotten, uh, politically, our country has been rather divided in the last couple of years here. Um, maybe particularly so. And uh, amidst that, something that we noticed people seem to agree on is sort of getting outside the great outdoors and, and conservation. And, and I think we saw that through, especially 2020, truly be a bipartisan issue in our country um, between the Great American Outdoors Act, um, the ACE Act, uh, you know, uh, criticism of the Pebble Mine Project from, you know, as diverse voices as Jane Fonda on one <laughs> side and Donald Trump Jr. right on the other. Um, I think they even had like sort of a cute Twitter exchange about how they never thought they'd agree on something. <laughs> um, so anytime you get those two together in a room, uh, so to speak, or virtually, uh, you've got something, I think you got something special in terms of uh, getting folks together. And so that's kind of the sentiment that uh, drove this campaign. How do we show the outdoor industry, you know, in, in at least our world and, and not to be overly ambitious, but sort of all Americans that the outdoors are something that can unite us despite our, you know, myriad of differences and, um, and, uh, disagreements. Yeah. Now I, I know like, so when I was looking at the, uh, the common wild, um, <clears throat> page here prior to, uh, us sitting down, you, you, you kind of touched on it right there when you when you were kind of giving your your um, explanation of what Common Wild is is that you know the world or the country excuse me was kind of in this political limbo divide it was just there was a lot of turmoil out there a lot of tension uh, I think is probably a good way to put it so from your position with First Light being the conservation manager there do you think that that politics plays a pretty big role in conservation or do you think it's just more that, you know, depending on what side of the aisle you, you maybe fall on, that kind of dictates how you look at, at certain conservation issues. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd love to say politics don't, you know, don't influence conservation and the protection of wildlife and wild places. But the reality is um, they do in almost every circumstance um, you can think up. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
and you know again it's not that we agree on all these issues with all the companies involved in this project in any way shape or form um you know we definitely don't i would say yeah uh but but again the underlying sentiment here is that let's take a step back all of our businesses uh and the passions of all of our employees and all of our customers are dependent um on our ability or americans ability to get out and enjoy the natural world and that's whether you're making mountain bikes or hunting rifles right yeah. um, none of those businesses exist without the outdoors in some capacity and i think another way to put it is you know we can ar- kind of argue about where you get to hunt where you get to bird watch where you get to trail run who gets to parasail there um you know when we haven't paved over the woods in question and put a damn housing development there yeah yeah that's <clears throat> that's a really good point and that's one of the things that that i thought was really cool about um common wild initiative is the fact that there's hunting and non-hunting or, or non-angling companies alike that are participating in this and, and trying to raise, you know, funds and awareness for, you know, our wild places and, and things like that. So if, if you look at just the, the companies that are involved or maybe not even just the companies involved, because I think they've kind of shown their commitment to you know, to the outdoors and, and to keeping, you know, these wild places uh, available to recreate on regardless of what you're doing. Do you think there's a way that we can kind of bridge the gap between maybe like, you know, outdoor or recreation companies that, you know, maybe some that are, you know, more aligned with hunting and some that aren't? I mean, is this kind of a, a first step, hopefully, you know, toward the future and a way of bridging that? Yeah, and I think um, you know specific issues can be an avenue for coordination between kind of unlikely partners, right? Um, a lot of also our experience with this campaign, and, and um, you know we bounced a lot of questions off um, our contacts at Patagonia, right, uh, who have been a staunch ally in the public lands fight, right? Uh, you know, notably, I would say, and and. Uh, do we agree with Patagonia on everything? No, <laughs> no not, <laughs> not even close. Um, there's tons of stuff we disagree with them on, but protecting public land and public water is a huge one. Um, and that's really brought our two companies together in that fight. And I think that having a specific issue to work on, um, you know, is a great intro to sort of working across our differences uh, in the interest of broader conservation goals, basically. Yeah. So <clears throat> you said that the the idea behind the initiative kind of started, uh, you know, even as far back as a couple years ago. So who was it that really kind of spearheaded this idea or which which companies? Because I know, obviously, um, you know, we've got you on from First Light here. And it sounds yep. like whether it was, you know, it was First Light that kind of really had the the first idea or got the ball rolling. So kind of take me through the, the, yeah. the early stages of it. Well, we were sort of talking about the idea, um, you know, kind of within our ranks at first light. Um, and, you know, sort of our leadership team here and me and others, you know, to some degree decided we're going to blow this sentiment up. You know, we're going to try and make something of this. We're trying to, we're going to try and make a statement and we're going to try and raise some funds in the process. Um, so not to toot our own horn, but inadvertently, I suppose to toot our own horn, it, it was a first light project, sort of an idea and, and was organized, um, and cajoled to some degree, <laughs> uh, 
uh, by kind of by our team and and uh, uh, that's kind of how it came to be that way but obviously um, wouldn't wouldn't be what it what it is without the partner brands that have joined on certainly so yeah so speaking of the partner brands uh, how was it that you guys kind of recruited or kind of came to an agreement with with you know the other companies that are involved with this got a hell of a lot of phone calls mostly <laughs> Um, I mean, I felt like I spent all spring on the phone basically with companies. I think I talked to 80, 80 or 90 companies um, mm-hmm. throughout that process. Uh, and, and, you know, everyone from Nike uh, to, you know, your coffee shop in town type situation. Um, so, yeah, just talking them through it, um, you know, to some degree pitching the idea, pitching the dream. Um, and seeing who bit basically. Um, now would you say that, you know, cause I think yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm taking a rough guess here just based on what I remember looking at the, uh, the website there. Is there mm-hmm. what about, uh, 13 or 14 different companies that are participating? We ended up with 16. Okay. Yeah. So I was, I was in yeah, the ballpark. You're, you're close. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So a high attrition rate in terms of cold call to, uh, well, and not cold call. I, I certainly, worked sort of my Rolodex and anybody else's Rolodex I could get my hands on for that matter. Yeah. Uh, in the process, but yeah, definitely, uh, you know, not the highest conversion rate, but uh, you know, I think that's also to be expected. Frankly, we were a bit late in the year, you know, we were pitching this project in the spring for a a launch now, which is, is quick, especially for bigger companies. You know, there was a lot of folks that I think were super supportive of the idea. Uh, but it was just, it was too quick a turnaround for a company that's working two or three years out, you know, that does $3 billion a year in revenue or whatever. Um, so that's, you know, that's, I think a takeaway going forward is, is trying to back like everything in business, trying to back further and further away from a, an actual launch for sure. Yeah. And that's, I think, uh, you know, for, for first light being, you know, especially, I mean, you threw out the name Nike or, or Patagonia, you know, some of these, you know, really, really mm-hmm. large companies that, like you said, are maybe two to three years out. And where I think, you know, First Light probably has a little bit more flexibility, you know, just totally. given the size of the company where you can, yep. you have the ability to put something together or pull something together a little bit quicker than, than some of these others. So, you know, I, I can certainly understand that. Have, uh, did you see a lot of like if people who, you know, maybe decided not to to participate in this, if, if it wasn't for, let's say like a, a scheduling conflict or they just couldn't pull yeah. it together? Did you find that a lot of people maybe didn't want to participate because it was being spearheaded by, you know, a company that was, you know, a, a hunting company, excuse me, a hunting company? You know, maybe is, yeah. is sort of my response. I mean, the, the, the fundraising vehicle itself was a hang up for a lot of folks. Um, I think there's some some brands that are active in the conservation space. Doesn't matter who um, in our industry who were all about it, but just, you know, for example, were kind of frankly afraid of selling a product on their website. That just wasn't their competency. Mm-hmm. Um, even if they had the ability to, yeah, they sell logo hats or whatever that just made them nervous. They would have rather cut a check basically yeah, a big check potentially. Um, so that's kind of one thing we're reexamining is, you know, different avenues. Do we have multiple avenues of participation next, you know, in the future? Um, do we switch the vehicle, the fundraising vehicle completely? 
Um, those are all kind of questions going forward. But um, to your point, um, you know, was hunt scary? There are definitely some folks that work at sort of the intersection of hunting and everything else mm-hmm. um, that do cynically, uh, not cynically, just feel that, um, you know, outdoor rec can frankly be a bit scared by hunting. Um, I, and I think that's a generalization, and I hope that's not true. I mean, we, like I said, we've worked with companies like Patagonia. Obviously, they are in fish, so that's maybe a bad example, but um, that's that's a sentiment floating around um, that ironically sort of outdoor rec brands that are often thought of more as being more progressive in terms of the environment are actually a bit squeamish to work with hunters. Yeah. I don't know if I found that or not. I think that it also happens that a lot of those brands are bigger. And as we discussed, they're working on their backed out timeline wise more. Um, so I, I think that could be, it could be a factor and it could not be a factor. I'm, I'm not really sure yet, to be honest. Yeah. And that's, and you know, like, like anything when you're in the early phases or, you know, the first, you know, introduction or the first round of, you know, fundraising for, you know, common wild and the first real go at it of launching it to the masses. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there's, there's going to be tweaks. There's going to be changes on things that you can be more effective with in the future. So yeah, I, 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 I completely understand, you know, yeah. both sides. And of there's it. definitely, you know, there's prickles, right? I mean, we had some brands on one side that weren't comfortable with working with sort of arms manufacturers. Right. Sure. Um, and by that, I mean companies that do a lot of business in military and LA, not, not hunting particularly. Yeah. Um, so that was a dynamic we dealt with for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, there's just always, you know, there, despite the ideals of this initiative, whenever you line companies up, uh, whenever you line even nonprofits up, yeah. There's just prickles all over the place. And, and really a lot of designing this campaign was minimizing prickles for sure. So um, getting everybody to sing Kumbaya that way is uh, was was a central challenge. Yeah. And getting everyone on the same page with that. I mean, let's let's talk about the design a little bit of, you know, the logo that for for Common Wild. Is that something mm-hmm. that everyone had to agree on or was that just, you know, something like with First Light spearheading it that you said, Okay, you know, this is you guys, you know, internally agreed on the design. You, you passed it out to everyone that was, you know, agreed to participate. And you're like, this is what we're using. Take it or leave Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, that was not up for debate. Because when you're just, tra- yeah, when you're working with that many brands, democratic decisions um, just don't work because yeah. they don't get back to you. This person's on vacation. I mean, it's just, you kind of had a, we, the goal throughout this thing was to go to companies with a package. Right. This is an out of the box cause marketing, um, you know, to put it in sort of an attractive business parlance. Yeah. Uh, this is an out of the box cause marketing campaign ready to go, ready to generate goodwill, you know, amongst your customer base on behalf of, of conservation. You know, here are images. Here is the logo. Here is right down to literally the social copy to post on Instagram, you know, on Thursday when this thing drops. You know, yeah. to remove as many barriers to participation as possible was a central, uh, you know, kind of quest throughout this process. So to answer your question, absolutely not. The logo <laughs> was designed and sent out to people. Um, and that's that's the way we went. You know, you just kind of have to make calls that way, I think, in, in, in this uh, world. 
Yeah. No, and it and it and it's a nice it's a clean logo and I think it yeah, it kind of it signifies, you know, what it is that that Common Wild represents. Um, you know, with the, with kind of the the nature uh, the, and, and things like that, but then also having, you know, the deer in there as well to, to appeal to, you know, kind of both sides. So no, it's, it, it's a really cool logo. I, I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. And we actually, uh, we did add, we added the deer kind of last cause we felt that was fairly hunt specific. Yeah. Um, it did end up looking pretty John Deary, uh, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately or not. And we were kind of far enough down the road at that point that I just said, all right, let's just go with it. Yeah. Um, it does look like the John Deere logo, perhaps, but with maybe a cow caribou, uh, okay. if you look closer, <laughs> rather than a whitetail. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that that was sort of, the logo was, was, the goal there was to try and speak to all recreationalists in the outdoors yeah. uh, in sort of a non-threatening way, basically. You know, no skull, obviously. Yeah, no pointy objects. <laughs> right, no guns. Yeah, uh, anything like that. No flowers. Sure. You yeah. know, like we wanted it to be fairly sort of agnostic to your chosen pursuit. Yeah. So now, right now, um, you guys offer, and, and these items are available on you know a multitude of, of websites. Um, mm-hmm. You guys landed on a Nalgene bottle. You have a coffee cup, and then you guys have a hat as well. How did you land on those three things specifically? Yeah. Um, again, you know, the lens here was pandering to as wide an outdoor demographic as possible. So yeah. we kind of thought, hey, what does every recreationalist in the outdoors utilize, right? Um, a brim for the sun, um, a Nalgene, probably, you know, that's kind of the most, I think, universal right. piece of outdoor gear you can imagine. Um, and then a camp cup, you know, everybody obviously drinks stuff. Um and we felt that that was just a slightly different but still totally usable piece of logo where, you know, a little bit different but still, yeah, um, equally relevant to a sheep hunter um, and a guy drinking beer in front of an RV. Yeah, no, and, and I was I was kind of trying to do like my own little analysis when I was looking at the website. Like, you know, I wonder why they would choose those. And it, it's kind of exactly what you said, right? Like it's, it, there are three things that are, they're not specific to any one outdoor activity, but they're products that everyone likely uses at least two or three of them, or at least one or two of them, you know, in their everyday life, regardless of, yeah. you know, what they're doing or what they're pursuing, let's say. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, you know, as we discussed too, it's not about the cup, right? It's not about the bottle. Right. It's about the message of the campaign, and it's about raising funds for conservation. Um, and so, in that regard, the specific product I think was less relevant than really, you know, what we're what we're doing or what we did is build a brand, right? Yeah. Um, you need to build cool, and the cool in the sense of helping the great outdoors is what was going to sell that product. It wasn't that it was a novel cup because it's not. You know, <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's an enamel camp cup. It's, you know, it's an algae it's, it's items that are, um, very, uh, familiar to folks yeah. and not necessarily novel. Um, but again, hopefully that, that story is what'll sell the products and what'll raise money for conservation groups. Yeah. And you, you just said something there that kind of stuck out to me. You said, you know, you guys are trying to build a brand right with, with common wild yeah. and, have you guys, have you found that difficult? Like, 
you know, for, for First Light, for example, you're almost like building a brand within a brand, right? Like, have you have yeah. you guys found that, <laughs> you know, have you guys found yeah. that to be to be difficult? Um, you know, it was a ton of work. It definitely yeah. took over my life yeah. um, for most of the spring and summer. Um, but I don't know if I'd call it difficult because, um, you know, it's kind of what we do every day. Um, it was just this one had a different logo and it was uh, using a green Pantone, right? Rather than orange. Rather than orange, yeah. so, You know, in some ways it's it's not. And, and you know, I, I was fortunate to come up through our company. I was the fourth person that Scott and Kenton hired. Um, and so I've kind of seen almost all elements of building a brand throughout my time at First Light. And I think that helped inform you know, building a new brand basically from the ground up um, and in all aspects from logo design, product design, marketing, coordination, launch, video, you know, kind of the whole deal. Um, I think I, I was lucky to call upon sort of all my experiences as our company grew through the years and in, in building Commonwealth. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's definitely got to be nice to kind of reach back and, and kind of pull from having you know, all that experience with building a brand, you know, like First Light and, and how, you know, it's kind of really, you know, I think about when I was first introduced to First Light, you know, a handful of years ago and where it was at then to where it's at now, right? And how it's just kind of exploded onto the scene. And, you know, so many guys are, you know, just obsess, obsessed with, 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 with the gear that First Light puts out. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I'm one of those guys, right? And when I, you know, I think back to, you know, like I said, when I was first introduced and it was, you know, it was just, it was a Western line, right? You guys hadn't broken into, yep. you know, the white tail totally. space at all. And, you know, I remember when I first started buying the stuff, I was like, well, how can I make this work? Cause you know, I'm a Midwest guy. I'm like, how can I make this work? You know, in, in, in my application of white tail, you know, tree stand hunting. And then, you know, thankfully I didn't have to wait very long and you guys, you know, ventured down the white tail line and have since really immersed yourself in it. So that's gotta be, um, yeah, easily or, a little bit more manageable, I would say, to to be able to know what to do and what not to do with you know with a brand like Common Wild. Yeah, absolutely. And conservation, you know, is so much a part of the First Light brand. Um, you know, the the way we frame it, and we don't, we certainly don't achieve this, but what we strive for is integrating conservation at every junction, at every turn, at every customer experience, basically in every aspect of our business model. Um, so whether that's, uh, you know, calling our customer service team or, or purchasing common wild product that, you know, at this point it kind of comes naturally to us and it's just kind of part of, part of our business plan, part of our goal. And, and, you know, that's cause it's arguably the right thing to do, but it, you know, it also has been, it has helped our brand grow. I think, you know, it's been good business for us. Um, and, and so it makes sense for us to work on projects like this. Yeah, and I think that there's really something to be said about a company um, that's producing something that's being used for hunting or for fishing or some type of outdoor pursuit that that company is in turn giving back to conservation, right? Because, you know, we're making, you know, I say First Light is making a product to help you kind of take from the land in essence, right, with with hunting or with fishing. But then you guys are taking that money and turning around and giving it right back to conservation to help preserve these lands that your customers are using and that your customers are so passionate about. And, you know, sometimes I kind of scratch my head and wonder why every company isn't doing something for conservation, right? Because I know there's a lot of companies out there that, you know, make, 
you know, some type of product for the outdoor space that, that aren't giving back to, to conservation in any way, shape or form. Yeah. It makes you scratch your head a little bit as to why, why they're not. Well, unfortunately, I think it comes back around to politics as you started, you know, started our conversation there with, um, I was just talking yesterday to, a another, a, a major brand in our space. Um, and you know, to some degree they were reaching out and kind of asking, you know, how do we, how do we take a stance on issues? How do we be more of sort of an activist company? Um, you know, we, we feel like it's the right thing to do. We also see companies doing well by doing so. But when we post X on social, when we post about, can be more concrete, I suppose, you know, when we post about Pebble Mine on social, there's like three comments about how this guy works in mining and he won't buy your product anymore. Um, and so I think there is, there's a jump you do have to make to some degree as a company and say, you know what, no, this is something we, you know, this is something we have to support. You know, the transfer of public lands um, is something we have to oppose, for example. Our customers hunt on public lands. Our business wouldn't exist without public lands. Our employees' passions are dependent on their ability to hunt and fish public lands. You know, we, we can't compromise here. If that's an issue for you, you should probably shop somewhere else, right? Um, but that's hard to do. You got to make that move and you got to, you might lose a couple customers um, in the process. Uh, but I think we have found in, in many of those issues that we seem to gain customers. I mean, our company's right. going like crazy um, by taking those stances. So there's sort of this, there's sort of this um, moment or decision I think you make where you say, yes, we're going to be an activist brand. We're going to take an issue on, um, you know, take a stand. And, and it's, you know, I don't even take a stand feels kind of dramatic and <laughs> self congratulatory, right? Like I said, public lands are fundamental to our business. Right. Like we can't not talk about that. CWD uh, is a threat to our business model um, and to, you know, our way of life. We have to take a stand on that. And if you think that's political and you have a problem with that, I can't, I don't really have anything else for you, you know? Yeah. Um, again, go buy clothes somewhere else, I, I guess. Um, and so I think you just have to make that decision at a certain point to say that's what we're going to do. Um, it's going to help our business in the long run um, and kind of not sweat the hater on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Um, you kind of just got to push through that because, and you know, there's going to be haters when you come out with a new wool base layer. Right. Know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what it is. Right. So, and I think companies have a tendency when it comes to anything that could be viewed vaguely as political to get kind of, uptight and worried when people um you know begin it always starts with i'll tell you it always starts with the comment i wish you'd just make x i wish you'd just make boots or hats or shirts (laughs) or fork screws uh and stay out of politics yeah um that's fine you can do that you know you can there's there's a place for those companies too and um good for them uh but when your business model is dependent on the protection of wildlife and wild places you simply have to take a stand in our view um, when it comes to some of these issues, be they political or not. You know, if you want to say first light gets political, I guess we do. Um, 
but uh, you just you, again, you just have to I think make that decision and go for it to some degree. Yeah, and that's and it, 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 I enjoy or enjoy, maybe enjoy is not the right word, but I like to hear people standing up for for what they believe in, and you know, in this particular case, it's what First Light believes in as a company, right? There's there's a saying, and I don't know that this is word for word, but it's like stand for something or fall for anything, right? Like if you don't. Yeah, You know, if you don't kind of put your foot in the ground and say, okay, this is, you know, this is the direction we're going to go with these particular issues. And, you know, you can either get on board or you can get out of the way type of thing. And I, I, I kind of find it funny, like when someone, you know, makes that comment, you said, or, you know, like you said, you know, I wish you guys would just stick to gear, right? Instead of politics. Well, Oh yeah. You know, I don't think public lands and the protection of of that and land transfer like that shouldn't be a, a political thing. You know, and it's yep. it's unfortunate that we're obviously in this situation where you know, what color shoes someone wearing is is wearing anymore seems to be political or you know, someone tries to make it one side or the other and you know, I feel like maybe public lands has kind of fallen more into that in the last, you know, however many years. And it, it, it's maybe forced companies to, while they still have a position on that or they've always been, you know, for public lands and, and against land transfers is now they've had to make their voice a little bit louder in that arena so that, you know, they can protect what, what they love and what their customers love as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Well, and it's funny, this, this same company was asking me, you know, do you do you get a bunch of negative comments when you post about the great American outdoor, you know, whatever it may be right. um, on on social, which which we try to do as, as much as we can. Um, and the answer really at this point generally is no, despite, you know, being political, quote unquote. Yeah. And I don't know whether that's people just like it or whether we've already, frankly, like shook the customers <laughs> you've already weeded you know, them out that, yeah yeah that that we're gonna say things um you know that, that weren't gonna be in line with that but i don't really know what that dynamic is but that tends to be um the reaction we get you know again there's always haters but um you know it, it's rare that we'll say something well i actually can't think of anything in recent history where we've put out a call to action on a regulation or a piece of legislature or what have you. And, and we've gotten overwhelming negative response. I don't, I don't think that's happened really. And maybe that's because, you know, when we kind of made the decision in back in kind of 2015 ish, you know, okay, conservation is going to be part of our brand. Um, when we made that call, you know, I guess we sort of transitioned to some degree into our voice that way and so maybe because it was a you know it wasn't an abrupt you know go from no statements that are quote-unquote political to making them every day on social feeds you know maybe that transition helped um you know help people kind of get into that image of the brand i, I don't know what it is but it, it really we don't tend to get negative feedback um when we do put out things that are you know, could be perceived as political. Again, as you said, we don't really usually see them as that way. But um, when we make statements on issues, it, it tends to go well for us. It seems like. Yeah, and when and when conservation is a cornerstone of of your business and your business model, like like First Light is, it's yeah, it's hard to it, 
yeah, I wouldn't see things as political either, right? It's just you're taking a stance on on conservation, and you know, if, if someone wants yeah. to look at that as political, that's you know, that's that's up to them. But it's not that's not what you're vying for. That's not what you're you're not trying to you yeah. know start an argument or something like that. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess another way to put it is, I'm not sure if it matters what you call it. Protecting the boundary waters, for example. Yeah. It's important to our customers. It's important to our employees. It's important to our business model. We're going to do that. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know if that's red or blue or up or down, but that's what that's in the interest of our company, and we're going to pursue that end. Yeah. Well, I think it's I think it's definitely worked out because you know it, it's. When, when you think about the outdoor and the hunting community specifically, you know, the name First Light is, whenever I think of it, it's always synonymous with conservation and with, you know, doing the right things to, you know, preserve the lands and, and everything like that that we like to recreate on. So you guys are definitely, you're doing something right because, you know, your, your message is not getting lost. Yeah. Well, I'm glad, glad to hear that because that's definitely the goal. Yeah. So with, with Common Wild, I mean, I know... Is it just it's a like a set amount of time that you guys are um, selling these items? Is that correct? Yeah, so extremely limited edition uh, merchandise. We're um, we are getting close. I think we've got like fifteen hats left and maybe thirty bottles or something. I, I was actually just working with our web team on starting to kind of. Um, you know, I don't want to say shut down, but sort of starting to minimize, uh, you know, some of the messaging there because we're frankly out of the product already, um, which is good. And that was the goal. Um, we, you know, we wanted this to be sort of a succinct campaign. Let's make noise. Let's convey this message with a diversity of brands. Let's uh, raise some money and let's move on. You know, it wasn't envisioned as sort of a long term addition to our product collection. Right. Um it was always imagined as sort of a quick hit campaign. And at least from our end, that seems to be playing out pretty well. Yeah. Now, do you guys, or did you, when you set out on this path, did you like, did you envision maybe like a, a specific dollar amount that you were hoping to raise for, for conservation? No, <laughs> yeah, well, I... um, definitely not. Uh, it, it was, you know, it was a kind of a crapshoot trying to figure out units here who's sure, going to buy imagine. what yeah. how big are they going to buy how many should we order from a factory um all that was was tough for sure because it we just you know hadn't we'd never done it before um yeah. not too many folks in our space have really toyed with this model of, i really can't think of any um and so no we had really no goals particularly in terms of how much money we wanted to raise going into it. It was sort of flying blind. I mean, obviously we want to maximize it <laughs> for sure, yeah. but um, there wasn't a, a dollar amount we were shooting for particularly. Yeah. Now, so when, um, when does the initiative end for this year? Uh, so there isn't really an end date, you know, um, how, how I sort of went about speaking with those brands is, Hey, order product that you think you'll sell through in, a couple days basically you know mm -hmm. so we started thursday um it's now uh tuesday i think yeah <laughs> and we've you know we've mostly sold through our inventory 90 percent of the way or whatever so that was kind of like i said that's playing out pretty well and so that's kind of how i talked to brands and, and whether that was 30 items well that's not true there was a minimum there was a minimum buy-in of 500 dollars um in terms of inventory so um 
you know, whether that was, I don't know how that played out 60 items or 500 items. Um, you know, that's essentially how we went about doing it, um, to, to move that stuff and, and to make it a succinct kind of statement, a true limited release, um, from a product perspective. Yeah. Now, who are some of the companies that, uh, you guys are going to be donating, um, your proceeds back to from first light? Yeah. So we are actually, you know, that the agency, I should say to back up uh, an important tenant here is that the agency for those dollars was, is with the brands that are participating. There's no common wild 501c3. Um, you know, we have no central repository of funds. We didn't want to deal with any of that. We're, right. we're not a nonprofit. We didn't want to set up a foundation. That was kind of beyond the scale of this. And, and also, I think making uh, pushing pushing the decision about where there's dollars out to the brands, I think, was another way to make this um, more attractive to the widest range of folks. Right. Um, we started out saying, well, hey, let's lay out some NGOs that are kind of approved, quote unquote, you know, right. like five or 10 of them. And that's where all the dollars are go. And quickly we realized that, you know, those prickles we we're talking about mm-hmm. made that pretty difficult um, in terms of getting people on board, in terms of the NGOs themselves, gone all the way around when we started sitting them next to each other in our heads. It, it didn't go real well. So moving that out sort of out to the brands and decentralizing that I think helped get more people on board, helped get more nonprofits involved than would have been if there was some sort of flight list, so to speak. Yeah. The only thing we told them was essentially, Hey, again, in the interest of making this attractive to the widest diversity of companies within the outdoor industry, that brand, that nonprofit recipient needs to be a conservation group. Yeah. It can't be PETA. It can't be the NRA. It can't be the Republican Party of Bonner County. It can't be the Archery Trade Association, right? Despite yeah. the good work they do for R3. The principal, uh, the core of, of that nonprofit needs to be um, the outdoors, the environment, access to the outdoors, et cetera. Um, and so basically, we laid out this sort of dictum that was no trade groups. No gun rights groups, no animal rights groups, and no trade uh, and no uh, political action groups. So that was sort of the lens, and we just, in good faith, asked people to do that, basically. Yeah. Uh, so that was sort of the only requirement there. But beyond that, again, the agency for those dollars is with the companies involved. Um, First Light's dollars, the money we raise, will be split evenly between our major conservation partners. Um, and, you know, frankly, we did that um, because we have good relations with all of them, um, because we wanted sort of their buy-in, right, and their support yeah. of this project. Um, and that just kind of felt right for us. Um, but, you will you know, we've seen already a diversity of nonprofits, uh, you know, from access to critter-specific groups getting those dollars, just kind of depending on what um, company. And, and we've seen companies... You know, Go Hunt, for example, I think is is has three beneficiaries. Um, we have our whole roster, um, and then a lot of brands. Obviously, are just working with non one nonprofit for this project. So, kind of a diversity of, of approaches there. Well, yeah, and that's that's what's what's uh, another like great part about this initiative is when you take a lot of different companies that are in the the outdoor recreation space, whether, you know, like there's, uh, you know, Niners, which is, uh, you know, mountain bikes, Mm -hmm. um, 
There's another one that was, you know, women's apparel for, uh, what was it, like mountain biking and yeah, skiing. Yeah, Wild Rye. Wild Rye, yeah. They're, yep. actually another, um, they're another central Idaho company here in town with us. Okay. Um, so we were particularly pumped to get them on board. Yeah, but I mean, it's just, it's it's a totally different clientele and a totally different space. And, you know, yep. their interests are, are maybe a little bit different than those of yours at First Light. So it's cool that you, you're able to spread the wealth as much as possible. You know, the more diverse um, companies, the more diversity you have in the companies that are involved, yeah. the more diversity you're going to get in the money going outward as well. Absolutely. I mean, diversity, you know, amongst the participant companies, I think, is one of our primary metrics of success. Um but frankly, it's something we need to improve on next year. You know, we did we did have outdoor rec represented for sure, to your point. Um, but it was still heavy hunt fish, I would say. And yeah. you know, I think that's partially just a result of, you know, my Rolodex, the nonprofits we work with, right. the companies we work with. Um, and so that's not I think that's not unexpected, but you know, as this idea grows, uh the greatest possible diversity of of companies is sort of how this thing succeeds. I think, I think that's how this message is truly conveyed. Um, and, and how, uh, and that's the direction we'll go as we move forward. So now is this something that you guys are going to try to, to replicate every year, you know, going forward? Yes, I believe so. Um, I'm not, again, I think there could be some fairly major changes. Uh, sure. we've learned so much in putting this together. Um, and, and I think the goal will still be accessibility of brands of all sizes, of brands in every element of the outdoor industry. Um, and so we'll be looking to adjust the campaign to make it even easier to participate, I yeah. think, um, for for a broader range of companies and, and address some of those you know, concerns, whether that's maybe the ability to sort of just buy in. Um, you know, I, I don't know what that'll look like necessarily uh, yeah. but we'll hell we'll probably be hitting the drawing board for that about yesterday you know <laughs> it's already it's already uh we're already getting into the next year it seems like planning wise yeah but uh i i think the you know the key takeaways there are diversity and, and inclusion with with companies and with you know beneficiaries of the non of the money that's that's going out that you know that's raised for this that's that's what's key and that's what's you know obviously most important to you know, going back all the way to what we talked about at the beginning here, kind of bridging the gap um, and, and getting everyone on the same page in terms of, you know, the outdoors and, you know, wild, wild places and conservation as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So real quick here for before I let you go, tell um, tell our listeners where they can go check out Common Wild. Well, of course, firstlight.com. Um, that messaging will be up. But like I said, we're actually selling through a lot of that product. So um, we'll probably get a little quieter about it now. Um, so I, I would say kind of going forward here in the next couple of days as, as we sell through product personally, I'd probably just send you to the project's actual website, um, which is www.commonwild.org. Um, and that from there, you can kind of go out to all the vendor brands um, and hopefully uh, still be able to find some gear uh, somewhere along the way. And it's a bunch of great companies. Um be good to support any of them. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. Like I said, I was, I was on there today and I actually picked up, you know, uh, a Nalgene from, from first light over the weekend when I made an order. So looking forward to getting that in and repping common wild. And, you know, I'm excited to kind of see how this all plays out over the next, you know, week to two weeks to a month as things kind of wrap up and see all the great money that was raised for conservation. 
Yeah. Yeah, man, we're, we're fired up. I think it's, it's been pretty neat to see play out. Uh, certainly good to get it rolling at long last with all the work that <laughs> went into it over the course of the year. Yeah. And it'll be a great way to kind of cap off, uh, an otherwise, you know, tumultuous year in 2020 here. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean that, and you know, obviously that wasn't, um, that wasn't by accident, uh, the time in here. Right. I yeah. mean, certainly, um, we assumed that we were going to be looking at a, you know, a, a polarizing election. And I think we, we assumed correctly there. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, the timing here was, uh, you know, played into that theme of, of kind of reaching across the aisle of cooperation over competition um, and diversity. And, you know, I think it worked out in that though we, we had, we've got work to do in terms of getting even more diverse brands. We did have, uh, you know, a number of companies from across the spectrum. And, and also, you know, I, I, one thing I'm particularly proud about is we got some competitors on board also. Yeah. Um, so Cryptech and Stone Glacier, who both make um, great hunting, uh, hunting apparel uh, themselves and, and are strong competitors of ours, um, signed up also. And I think that really hammers home that idea, um, you know, that conservation is, is more important than business competition. Um, in, in any one industry, uh, hopefully. Yeah, no, that, that, that's very well said. And, and that kind of speaks to, you know, the character, um, of the companies that are involved, especially if there's, you know, competing brands that are, that are participating in this also. So yeah, kudos to, to all the brands that are involved in this, uh, whether they're competitors or not for, for stepping up and, you know, trying to raise awareness for conservation. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, we're, we're stoked. I think it's turned out well. Yeah. Well, hey, Fort, I'm super glad that uh, we were able to sit down and talk about this. Um, I know by the time we get this out, it, it may be too little too late for uh, for some product over on First Light's website, but hopefully there's there's still some gear out there that guys or gals can go ahead and, and pick up uh, before it's all gone. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Marcus. All right. No problem, Fort. Take care of yourself. We'll see ya. All right. Bye. All right. Well, a big thanks to Ford for hopping on the podcast and telling us about the Common Wild Initiative. Uh, I'd like to thank the partners over at Stone Glacier. Be sure and check them out at stoneglacier.com. also like to thank the partners over at 2%. And if you're interested in learning more about 2%, you can visit their website, fishandwildlife.org. And there you can see all the certified brands that have committed to conservation that you should support when you shop for your gear. Uh, I also encourage you to follow 2% on social media where they're going to post nothing but very positive conservation-driven content. Uh, so again, if you'd like to learn more about 2% for Conservation, you can look for them online on their various social medias or at fishandwildlife.org. Thanks for tuning in this week, guys. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Stay safe out there, and conservation starts with you. Conservation starts with you.